everyone, and welcome to the Wartum Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. In this great episode, I sit down with the amazing Sebastian Kreis, co-founder of Zeppelin, a Latin American fintech company that aims to be the leading SME digital bank in the region. I had the great pleasure of meeting Sebastian last year, and it didn't take long for me to become an investor in Zeppelin. Founded in 2019 by Sebastian and Nicolás de Camino, they are one of the fastest growing fintechs in the history of LATAM, having loaned more than $400 million in the last couple of years, onboarded over 4,000 SMB clients, and have been doubling in size every three months throughout the last year. They are also backed by some of the best fintech investors, including Kazakh Ventures, DST Global, Haikus Capital, FJ Labs, Gilgamesh Ventures, Jackie Reese's, and many more. In this episode, we discuss Sebastian's journey and what inspired him to pursue an entrepreneurial career in fintech, the importance of a strong co-founder relationship and how Sebastian and Nico work together, company culture, and why honesty and transparency are the very center of Zeppelin, the dramatic reality that almost 95% of Latin American companies are unbanked or underbanked and how Zeppelin is fixing this, lessons for entrepreneurs, fundraising reflections, and just a whole lot more. And now join me in a fascinating conversation with Sebastian Grace. Well, Sebastian, welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. Could not be more excited to to have you here. How's it going, Sebas? Very, very good. Thank you, Miguel, for the invite. It's really, really great to be here. I really enjoy our conversations. So, so being here and talk a, a little bit about about Zeppelin and, and myself is a it's a great way to to connect with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how we first connected i think you you listened to one or two podcasts and and reached out and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you did yeah yeah and i really enjoy what what you're doing in terms of in the vc world how are you connecting latin america with the us and all the, all the, the efforts you're doing there so i really also enjoy that sense of being a, a regional investor so it, it's great to to have the opportunity to be here oh uh, thank you and and we're we're lucky to be backing you. So, so Astian, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you, right? Um, let's hear about your story. I know, I know that Zeppelin is not your first rodeo. You you're actually you know a repeat entrepreneur, and and before you had some corporate experience. So maybe let's let's go back to to the beginning and tell us about your journey. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So. I come from from a family that that moved from Germany to Chile. So my grandfather moved from Germany to Chile. That was a big part of the culture of the family. How the family started again in Chile. How they build businesses. A lot of of them, my grandfather and and, and brothers were entrepreneurs or businessmen in in Chile. So that sense of culture of starting something, of building something that they like, was kind of part of, of my family. But also that part of the family also were not only uh, happy moments, also not so happy companies also went bad sometimes in, in, in Chile. So I really learned about 
that business can go up and down and, and you have to be you have to have the strength to when you build a business to also understand it can go down and why is that to understand that and was a, a great experience for me. And then I I actually I, I started engineering, but then in, in Chile the financial market or the financial industry was a lot of developed. So I joined an investment bank because I knew one of the partners. I joined just to learn more about business. And I stayed there six years. It was an amazing experience because we opened the, the office in Peru. We grew a lot. We did. We came from being a, a partnership to being one of the top three investment banking uh, boutiques in, in the region. It was an amazing journey. But then in 2014, I went to San Francisco to visit a, a cousin. And I went to Uber's office, another startup office. And I saw people coming in, coming out, just a, as a normal company. So I said, here, probably we're in San Francisco, so probably here's a, a magic, but still the company is done by people. So I said, I, I came back to Chile and I left investment banking, uh, kind of a successful career, started my, my first company. That company actually uh, did well, but then we, we wanted to go out of Chile. And that's when I had this kind of difference with my partners and decided to leave. And then I went to study abroad. I went to study at Berkeley. And then I fell in love with, with the fintech world. It was amazing how, how the U.S. was, was evolving or, or, or doing the first steps in the fintech world. After that, I did deal transformation for banks with BCG. So instead of doing slides with, with consulting, we, we built fintechs for these companies. So we built a, a Venmo for a bank. Today has 4 million users. We built kind of a Quicken loan for another bank and uh, today it's doing great. So that experience, when I was actually researching about SMBs, in that experience, I realized it was a huge, huge opportunity. And I went and started Zeppelin. I partnered with, with Nico. Uh, he's an amazing entrepreneur in, in what he's, he's done before. He was the pioneer in private debt in Chile, doing almost two billion in private debt in, in, in South America. So we said here we have the opportunity to serve the 95% of the companies in each Latin American country that actually don't have access to recurring financial services. And that happens in all Latin American countries, not only in Mexico, it happens in Colombia, Peru, Chile, Brazil, and other countries. And the second thing we said is there are 30 million companies, 30 million SMBs and companies in Latin America, and there are 15 million that are B2B, pure B2B. A lot of people are serving the B2C company. So the coffee shop you go in the, in the corner, the supermarket, because they attend people. It's easier to relate with those companies. And probably Mercado Credito with Merchants and Stone Brazil and, and a few other companies are serving the B2C companies. But we're focused on the B2B segment. And we're kind of playing alone in that, in that segment because they have a different set of ways to connect with them and a different set of problems sometimes. So that's the way we focus. And today, Zeppelin, it's amazing, but today Zeppelin has almost 400 clients. Uh, we operate in, in Chile and Mexico, and we have almost 120 million in, in asset under management. We're not a balance sheet lender, so we sell our credit to, to partners. But still, it's a, it's a business that's growing a, a lot, and we have we see the opportunity because we still grow at 30% monthly 
And it's amazing how the companies relate to us and how they like the service. So, so the journey has been amazing. I'm really lucky to partner with 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 Nico and all the the, the team at Zeppelin and also the the investors that are backing us. So, so we're really happy. Yeah, no, the, I think we have a lot to unpack. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Let's go back to the founder and co-founder dynamic because. You went through this once, and then you you eventually, for many reasons, you end up leaving your first business. What lessons did you learn that you've applied now to your co-founder dynamic with with Nicolas? Because I, I know you guys have an excellent relationship. Great question. So yes, the first thing is kind of learn each other our our ambitions, real ambitions, and and, and what we want to build. So we really want to help and go and help more than one million SMBs and solve their real problems. Because we we were in, in this financial industry in Chile, it's, it's really developed, but we were serving the top 1% or more of companies and giving them really great advice, money or, or structuring debt. But we said here with technology, we can do it to all the other 95% that don't have financial services. And that commitment to actually don't settle until we get to this goal is really important in, in a co-founder relationship. And second is to have the energy and the passion to do it in a day-by-day basis. At the end, we want to not only build the company, but also kind of pass the energy to all the people in the company that they learn about what we, we envision, what we saw and what we're doing every day to kind of let them know our passion and give them that passion in order so they can also spread the energy to other, other people in the company and to at the end to the clients. The clients are in the center. SNBs are unattended in Latin America. They're not clients for companies that they, they want to squeeze the liquidity of SNBs in some way. But right now we we're changing that for the ninety five percent of the companies. And, and and the second point around the relationship is being brutally honest. In that sense, probably one book reminds me it's it's about Ray Dalio, about tra- transparency and about actually speaking everything. Also, that is really important. Not only and and actually that not only goes to the relationship with co-founders but also to the company. If if co-founders have a, a very honest relationship that will go to all the relationships in the company. And this is, is very, very, very important for us. I, I love that book, uh, Principles. So it sounds like that's part of the culture that you're trying to build, a, a culture of transparency. Uh, what else do you think defines the, the company culture? Right now, actually, the, the company has more than 100 employees. And we really like how organically the culture has developed in terms that we have this and be in the center we understand that this and be sometimes doesn't plan so well but we're here to help them we give them a free software for them so they can organize the information and, and it happened something really interesting in latin america about the electronic invoice and how we organize the information why i started with the free software because it's the way how we want to help us in this. We build a software for free for them to understand them and, and to really help them organize the information because giving any 
other services. That's how we, we think about our culture. We want to be really open. We want to be really responsible and we want to be want to give them really transparent and, and recurrent financial services for them. And this is very important about how we relate with customers because we want to be really transparent about their information so they understand actually how to make decisions and how to actually make financial decisions and organize their, their information. In that point, actually, we want that everybody in the, in the company, and that happens, has the client in the center. Not only, let's say, sales or customer success, but everybody, growth team, product team, tech team, operations, and, and other team also have the, the client in the center. Perhaps it's, it's really obvious when you speak in, with startups, but for the S&B world, it's really important to really have the company in the center and to really understand their pains because then you start building products that really solve their day-to-day needs. And because we focus on B2B SMBs, they have special needs about their day-to-day operations that we're launching new products and, and solving now. Yeah, I, I want to zoom in on, on a statistic that we've talked about before. And it's the fact that only 5% of companies in Latin America are well-banked. And you know, for, for context for the audience, I, I, in the past, I, I used to be a, a banker for one of the big banks. And I remember the years I covered Latin America, I would go to all the major hubs and we would have our meetings with the, the blue chips of Latin America, right? These are the, the largest companies. And we would be competing with 10 banks to service these companies. But then we would go slightly below that and, and try to try to close a deal uh, with a strong company, but wasn't of the size that the bank was looking for. And it would always get rejected. Right? Because so banks, big banks don't want to touch them. So that's the problem that you're solving. That's why it makes so much sense. But h- how are you finding this company? What's, what's your entry point? Yeah, so what, what we're building is that because we have a, this close relationship with, with SMBs, we found a way to really get to a lot of SMBs really fast. So we partner with, let's say, mid-market companies or corporates that are in specific industries, and we help them with their long tail of suppliers. We give a software for free for these corporates and start helping their suppliers. It's really, really important that we build an ecosystem between this mid-market corporate and their suppliers and that relationship it's strengthened with time, with software, and with transparency. And also is that we build a lot of trust with, with SNB, so we have a lot of channels to get to know them, and, and we really know where these companies operate. Let's say in Mexico, you have industrial cities, let's say not only Ciudad de Mexico, but Guadalajara, Chihuahua, Monterrey, Puebla, that are really, in, or Querétaro, that are really intensive in, in terms of some industries, and, and we go there and start having a relationship, and that's how we start, and then we scale in those regions. The good thing is because we give the software for free for SMBs, they start organizing their information, and we build a trust with them in which probably some of them will start having financial services lending or AP automation with us at the beginning, but some of them just want to learn more about Zeppelin, just start using the software, and then when they when they really understand why we're, why are we here, then they start using. So we give them uh, the opportunity to start using our lending or our perks 
at, at the beginning or wait and see and have that confidence. And that's what differentiates us from other services that we don't only look for the transaction, we're looking to build this relationship with, with SMB. And, and you're, you're not just in one country, right? You started in Chile, uh, you've quickly expanded to Mexico, and of course you have uh, bigger plans ahead. Talk about that, that aspect, the, the pan-Latin American expansion, because one approach is just staying in Brazil, right? It's a big market, uh, built for Brazil or built for Mexico, that's it. But you're taking the opposite approach. That's a very good question, actually, and that, that starts with Nico's relationship in, in, in that sense. Our vision is to be the leading B2B deal bank for SNBs, and we're focused on the SNBs that sell to other companies. 15 million of companies, those companies are not only in Chile, and we had the vision to serve them all. So the company started with a regional vision. The company started understanding that there was a, a unique opportunity around the electronic invoice, not only in Chile or Mexico, but in all Latin American countries. Actually, Europe right now is taking an approach to start electronic invoice. So actually, it's, it's a new market that it's changing a little bit. But the point was that we started in Chile. And let's say a corner shop started in Chile and they went really fast to Mexico. We said, this opportunity is so huge. The pains of the SNBs are not only in Chile or not only in Mexico, but all these countries that we need to start. And a few decisions that are important. It's not only that I went to live to Mexico one year ago and started the company there, but also our app is a global app. So it's a super app that connects to different sources of, of information depending on the country. And we just like switch on or off the features depending on, on, on the country. That is really, really important to, to scale a regional company. And second, to build a culture that, because we started in Chile, all the things that we learn and the know-how we, we have in Chile, we can give that know-how to Mexico really fast to kind of have a, a better curve of learning in Mexico. And that, that actually happens. So we grew in Mexico four times faster than how we grew in, in Chile at the beginning, just because of the learnings, just because we have a, a better platform just because we understand better SMB pains. And this knowledge will also help us to start a new country, let's say Colombia or, or Brazil in the future. Yeah, no, no that makes uh, sense. How about the challenges, right? I mean, of course, it's not always smooth sailing, right? How about the challenges of, of expanding both the company and across the region? Yeah, so, so I would say when I came to Mexico, it was really important for us to understand how the market worked. And actually, we, we had a lot of hypotheses at the beginning about how to start a business. But then when we start to have conversation with, with just people to hire, uh, just partners, it was a, a good opportunity to learn more. But to really have the hypothesis ready at the beginning was the most important part because we already knew kind of what were the questions we, we want to answer at first. And second, was really, really important to kind of build a strong team at the beginning. And we, we built a really, really strong team in, in Mexico. That was also really important. And third was just to, to get the feet in the, in the ground and start relationships. It's really, really important for a founder, not only to understand the clients, but when you have feet in the ground, really understand the culture 
how people make decisions. Like there is a difference how owners of SMBs make decisions between Chile and Mexico. There is a big difference in some cases or in some industries. So that feeling around how to actually help them to make financial decisions and to kind of build the future early on to give that confidence to them was, was also really important. And the third thing is just regulatory or, or how the, the regulation works that you need to, to also find out early on. So you build kind of the platform and the, the processes that you permit to win at the beginning. So I would say this is an advice for every founder. If, if you really want to conquer a new country, probably the best way is just to live there and make relationships on the ground for a few a few months is the best way to learn how, how the culture works and, and, and how to do business there. So that has been a good good outcome for us. So Stan, you, you, you know this well. We have founders and aspiring builders who tune in from Latin America, from the US, from all over the world. And one of the aspects in the journey of an entrepreneur is fundraising and managing the relationship with venture capitalists, right? And that's something that you're always navigating. What has been your approach to you know, building a, a successful fundraising track record? I would say because we come from the financial industry and, and, and because we know that the vision of Zeppelin is big and important to, to impact and to help a lot of uh, companies in Latin America, is that we take it very seriously, all the, the fundraising processes. For equity, or with the relationship with VCs, we do it like an IPO at the end. So we plan very seriously how we will do the process, how we will take the, the approach to the VCs, and what are the things that the company needs from them right now in this moment to really have a sense of what we really need to go to the next milestone. But also VC is a 10-year partnership always. We really understand this not as fundraising, but as looking for partners that will back us the next 10 years. And that approach is, is really, really important to have the relationship with VCs. And also in, in Zeppelin, we have asset back facilities. We have 250 million of, of asset back facilities being a, a seed company. That's only about how we, we make the long-term relationship with, with asset managers. In Chile, in Mexico, in the US, and we have relationship with, with different types of asset managers. Also, we build a new way of kind of selling this credit to asset managers. And it's a, a private securitization that use a lot of technology and a lot of uh, structuring to do it. We're proud of a lot of things in Zeppelin, but probably the experience that Nico brings from the private debt industry and, and my experience and the team experience in how to structure these private securitizations and to build this engine to actually have long-term relationship with asset managers is also very good to the market and we're building a new, a new asset category at the end. Yeah, and I guess that's a, that's a good segue for my next question. And that is, you know, you mentioned that in 2014, you visited Silicon Valley and you saw the, all the magic that was happening while at the same time, not a lot was happening in, in Latin America. Of course, that has changed and continues to change. Uh, and, you know, I'm extremely happy to see a, a booming ecosystem, not, not just in Brazil, but, you know, across the region. 
what are your thoughts about the the evolving not not just fintech but the tech ecosystem in Latin America and, and what do you think it needs to happen for it to to solidify itself and continue to grow actually i have a, had a talk yesterday with a vc about this topic he's a, a us vc and he really wants to look for more in, in latin america and kind of understand better each market one of the things is that let's say when when a stanford graduates they graduate one of the path they can go is to be an entrepreneur in the valley That's one of the career paths. They also can go to consulting. They can build their company. It's one of the career paths. In Latin America, probably in 2014, that career path didn't exist. If you go out of Tecne Monterrey, or if you Getulio Vargas in the university in Brazil, or Universidad Católica in Chile, right now, that's a career path. You can or be an entrepreneur, or you can join a startup. That mindset change is really, really important because at the end. These companies are built by people, and the people need to need to be motivated about those career paths. And talent is moving really quickly to startups in Latin America. The second point is that you have like long, long term funds that are investing in the region. Let's say Casec is one of them. They're doing a great job to be always there. Because in some cases, some funds were there and right now they are down, but there are funds that are always there, you know? And that commitment to the region is really, really important when you want to build an ecosystem because they're always there. They're always backing entrepreneurs and backing companies that they have a good relationship and they want to back them for the next 10 years. Kind of that commitment also is right now happening also from international VCs. And that ecosystem has, has evolved really, really fast. I think in the last one or two years, actually COVID, I think, kind of accelerated that really quickly. And the second thing is that Brazil at the beginning was the hub probably of entrepreneurship and, and VC in Latin America. But right now, Mexico can be, can be seen as the next San Francisco of Spanish-speaking countries. Like a lot of people is moving to Mexico just to start a company or to join a, a startup, probably Uber and all these Big tech companies were the pioneers in doing that. And that was kind of the first wave of tech talent. But right now, a lot of companies are having their headquarters or having big teams in, in Mexico City. And you go to Roma Condesa and you see probably in, in the tables, in the coffee shops, people speaking in English, in French, in German or, or in Spanish, but not Mexican. That change of, of how the, the ecosystem is changing is unbelievable. And I think it will stay uh, as it is. Yeah, no, I love it. I can't wait to go back to Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> and we had we had Hernan Casa from Kazakh on the show. And, you know, I think the main thing is that him and the team, they understand the challenges of building in Latin America, right? He was describing it, if I remember correctly, it was... Uh, You know, it's already hard, but it's on top of this, like riding a roller coaster, you know, on top of all the challenges uh, when you do it in Latin America. So, but they're comfortable with that. So you, you need the right investors and they're also educating the, the rest of the VC ecosystem around the world. Now, listen, Sebastian, amazing, amazing to hear all this. One thing, I mean, I think this whole episode is a class for entrepreneurship. But if, if you were talking to, you know, a handful of entrepreneurs who are, who are starting their journey or, 
what reflections would you like to share? Things that have actually have really helped you along the way. Yeah, I, I remember we started the company 2019 and we had two tough moments to kind of have the energy to pass and to come stronger up after that. So we have a social riots in October 2019 who are starting the company and then COVID. So I think tough moments for companies are tough because you have to navigate and, and kind of to do stuff and to change things in the companies, but also make the team stronger. So I will encourage entrepreneurs to always, when you have tough moments or, or, or problems, to really make an effort to everybody in the company, make the learnings and came stronger after those moments. I think it's good for companies to have problems because if it's always good, then probably you you are not learning part of the, the problems that you need to learn and, and cultures need to develop their, their kind of their resilient dimension also. That's one thing. The second thing I would say is that probably everybody that starts a company, it's a bar racer. So they always hire the bar of, of the ambition of what they want to do. But I think it's always a room to put the bar higher. <laughs> and probably that's the exercise we do all the time with Nico, how we actually can put the bar higher, not only for the team, but for us also as founders to question how we're doing things and to be better. And the third will be to really look for long-term relationships with your partners. Could be VCs, could be debt partners, could be partnerships for the business, clients. Really look for long-term relationships. At the end, always there are good things, there are problems. But if, if you look for long-term relationships, that value of a long-term relationships gives you an opportunity to develop the relationship in another dimension. And probably that help, have, has helped a lot in our journey. And then enjoy the, the journey. At the end, having to enjoy the moments with your team, with your partners, with your family, or, or with your friends is really, really, really important. Yeah, uh, fascinating. And, you know, any, any hobbies that you like to share? Any favorite hobbies uh, yeah. outside of Sipelin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I did a lot of sports in, in my life. I really enjoyed out, outside. So going and, and running in the hills, like Santiago has amazing hills around in the city. So a lot of mountain biking, running in the hills and stuff. I really enjoy that. So in Mexico, I go to the Cerro de, de los Leones to also do that. Uh, I really love about being running in, in, in the nature. Second, I really enjoy having good conversations in mexico we did a lot with friends we go out and have a lunch or dinner these amazing places in, in condesa or roma and having good conversations I, I really enjoy it and the third is really be, being with the family we have a my wife is also a, a vc so we have good conversations around the ecosystem and, and what it's happening but also enjoying the family for us is really, really, really important. Well, fantastic, Sebastian. I, I look forward to a lot more interesting conversations with you. And, you know, just uh, I, I know there's a lot of great things to come from Zeppelin. So thank you for joining us. It, it's been fascinating. I have no doubt the audience is going to love this episode. Uh, thank you for the invite. It's really a pleasure to be here 
thank you for all the impact you have done in, in the fintech market in the US, Latin America, and, and all, all the world with, with the podcast. I really enjoy it. So keep up and I will stay tuned for what's next for Miguel too. So thank you for everything. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. It means a lot and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. We also want to extend a special thank you to our show editor, Rafael Ostria. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. 